to the show. It is an absolute monster today. Allison Williams stood up to ESPN. Allison Williams stood up and talked to Congress. Allison Williams is a stud. She's on Fox. She's sideline reporter. If you don't know her, we'll show you the video of her. She joins us. Jonathan Isaac literally stood up. Like, he stood up when everyone else was kneeling. We'll get into that. He's got a new clothing line the NBA player does. And Congressman Ronnie Jackson. Congressman Ronnie Jackson is an outspoken man that I want to hear from, particularly on this. Donald Trump indicted again yesterday. You guys, I have a tendency to look beyond my nose. I do. I try to look beyond the schnoz, and I'm saying to myself, we got three major indictments. Yes, Trump was out yesterday uh, He while well, he was fundraising, but here's the deal. I don't know. A grand jury came back with these indictments. That means they went and pers- they went and showed evidence in front of what's supposed to be a jury of his peers. The evidence would determine whether or not an indictment was to follow or it was all going to be thrown out. Well, in three different cases, and we can get mad about it, but in three different cases, they came back with indictments, and now Trump is facing his third indictment, and he's walking around like this does not matter. This indictment, well, this indictment is based on 9-11. This indictment is saying, hey, look, you tried to steal the election. You sought to exploit violence and chaos on January 6th. That's what the indictment says. Four felony counts centering on his alleged efforts to discount legitimate votes in the 2020 presidential race and subvert the the election himself. Conspiracy to defraud the U.S. by using dishonesty, fraud, deceit to obstruct the nation's process of collecting, counting, and certifying the results of a presidential election. A conspiracy to impede. This is the second one. The January 6th congressional proceeding where the election results were certified. The third was a conspiracy against the right to vote and to have that vote counted. Man, uh, this guy, Jack, uh, Jack Smith, he is not messing around. Now, of course, he, Trump, has pled not guilty. There is a trial set to go in May, but here you go, man. Look, I don't know the answer to this. I know this. When you go in front of a grand jury, it is supposed to be something that sets up to be impartial. It is supposed to be something that sets up to be, well, a jury of your peers, and they can come back and say no. They can come back and say, we didn't do it. We don't think there's enough evidence here. They came back and said they did. So complain all you'd like. Whine all we'd like. Particularly those of us that think Trump was a really good president. But this is what happened. And you have to take this serious. Uh, uh, Dylan and I were talking off air. What are you going to do? You're going to run for president from a jail cell? I'd vote for you. What the hell? I mean, if it means either that or the current state of affairs, I'd vote for you. I would. I don't know. Hey, LeBron James, this is interesting. We talked about this the other day. LeBron James's family. Now, you remember what happened to Bronny James? And I'm going to give you something. I, I, I'm going to give you my opinions on all of these. First, I don't think Trump can be the nominee. Let me just give you my opinion there. Let me go back to that. I don't think he can be the nominee. Second, I got to get more information. People ask me, hey, would you let your son play if he had a cardiac arrest? My answer would always be, I don't know that it's up to me. I don't think that I would, but I'm not sure it's up to me. I'm not sure my father, when I was 18 years old, going to Indiana, could have told me not to play basketball at Indiana. Not because he he, he couldn't do it, but because I don't think he would have influenced me. 
I think at that point in my life, I was going to make my own decision based on it, even if it was going to be the wrong one. That's kind of how I look at it. Now, LeBron James and his wife seems like they have a strong nuclear family, at least on the surface, and their son had cardiac arrest to the point where he was in ICU. That's what I know. You may know different. I know they've come out and said, hey, look, he's back. He's fine. It's 50-50 that he's going to play. Me personally, as a father, I would not let my son play. Me personally. Doesn't mean he will. I don't have all the information. I don't have all the evidence. I don't know his history. I don't know if this is something that has happened in the past. They just kept it under wraps. I had a kid die at basketball camp at Bowling Green, who apparently his parents did not mind him playing. He had had a similar episode previous at Dayton University. Parents said, this is God's will. They thanked me for my caring and their and my concern. They wrote me a letter. I had people from the town telling me thank you. But I got to tell you, I don't know that I would. You know, the kid needs legacy. That's what the that's the only reason LeBron James's son is playing. Love of the game, legacy. They don't need the money. He's not trying to get out of the hood. He's not trying to get out of a difficult situation. He's got money. Okay, fine. But he's got love of the game, and that's where it hurts. That is, that is where you just go, hey, wait a second here. How do you stop that? How do you take that from a kid? What are the long-term effects? Now, I'm a 60-year-old man, and I say, look, you're only going to play 4 to 12 years, let's say. So you're going to be 30, 32 years old, and you are going to be out of basketball, and now you got your whole life to live. Now, that's the way I look at things. But that doesn't mean I'm right. That doesn't mean I'm right in this case. It's a hard decision. I wish him well. This story has me bothered. Iowa State quarterback Hunter Deckers is accused of placing bets on 26 Iowa State sporting events, including on one of his own games. And don't think for a second he's the only guy doing it. Don't think for a second. This has me bothered. Now, this is where, you know what they say, mo money, mo problems. They say money corrupts. Well, you give college kids money and access to gambling, guess what college kids are going to do? They're going to get corrupted. Not all, some. You can educate, educate, educate at college campuses. You can say, well, look what we did. We CYA'd it. We covered our own backside. That's fine. That's great. I get it. But the truth of the matter is this. The truth of the matter is no amount of education sticks with a kid Once they walk out of that building and get with the 20, 30, whatever thousand other kids on campus and the influences come and the birdie in the ear goes, easy money, easy this. Look, you're not betting against your team. You're betting for your team. I'm telling you. I saw it at the University of Toledo going back. I saw Sammy Vajegas throw a game against us at Bowling Green. I did not know it at the time, but we always wanted before the game, why does Sammy play so bad in the second half? My great assistant, Artie Papella, informed me of that before the game. I go, I don't know. We're down at halftime. Next thing you know, he's throwing up bricks, and we're winning going away in the second half. Come back later, a football player, a basketball player, Vajegas, uh, got involved with a mobster in Detroit. Next thing you know, guy's trying to throw football games, guy threw basketball games. This has been going on a while, and now in most states, you have access to it, it is legal, and you're giving kids NIL money. It is so freaking dangerous, and I don't like it. 
I'm not surprised. I, I got to tell you, and sometimes I try, and you know, my whole life, I try to look at players like they were my sons, my own players, okay? That's what I've tried to look at. I've tried to do that. But I got to tell you, if this were my son, I'd be like, damn. I almost feel like they got to throw the book at you. I almost feel if this is true, you go through the process, and then this punishment has to be severe. This punishment has to be harsh. This punishment has to be brutal. Because kids learn from others' mistakes only if there is real accountability. They don't learn from others' mistakes when there are excuses made for them. Well, you know, he had a family situation. Well, you know, this is why he did it. No. You bet on your own team in college and the schools, I know this is fact in Iowa State, I know this is fact, I've asked people, they have had all kind of sessions with players. And what did everybody say about this kind of thing? Gambler's going to get to the quarterback. Quarterback's the one. Watch out for the quarterback. He can influence the entire thing. Well, here you go. And don't tell me, and this is where I'm very troubled by this, even though I said the punishment has to be harsh, don't tell me that that's going to straighten the whole thing out. It's not. The punishment must be harsh so others see it to deter some, but it ain't deterring all. I go back to the Magic Johnson. He announced he had AIDS. All the idiot reporters like, well, this is going to deter unprotected sex by NBA players. Really? How many kids out of wedlock do you think NBA players have? Are you insane? Hell, Zion Williamson's got two going on right now. So I don't buy long-term that it straightens it out. But this is the first, and this is a horrendous story, and I got to punish this kid, and I got to punish him big time. I'm not sure I punish the program. We all want to blame the program. That coach, Dan Campbell, I think it's Dan Campbell or Troy Campbell or some Campbell, I don't know. But you got to, you know, we want to punish the coach. We want to punish the AD. I don't want to punish any of them. I want to punish number 12 here for being stupid. Sometimes, hey, as a kid, you make stupid mistakes. Well, guess what? You're going to continue to make them if you do not squelch it immediately. Immediately. Good news yesterday came in the form of Tiger Woods uh, with PGA Golf. Uh, Tiger Woods is going to join their board. The PGA Tour has added Tiger Woods. I think this is interesting for Tiger Woods. The players went to Tiger Woods and said, we need your help. Now it puts a majority of the board as players. We need your help. We're in a crossroads. The Live Tour, the merger, maybe the merger with the PGA, the framework, maybe the framework, all this nonsense. We need you, Tiger Woods. And Tiger Woods said, yes, Tiger Woods joined the board. There's a lot of things Tiger Woods needs in his life but I'm guessing to be on the board of the PGA Tour when they're going through this with Liv is not one of those things. But you know what I like about Tiger Woods? And this goes back to a conversation we had yesterday where uh, with guns where we were talking about Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins, Clyde Drexler, and the greats of the 80s participating, Larry Bird participating in the three-point shooting contest, the guys that I mentioned participating in a dunk contest. You're helping the sport. And this is good news. If we all love golf, right, and if we want to see golf come together, I, I got to tell you, Tiger Woods needs to be involved in it, <laughs> and he is. 
excuse me. <clears throat> so I'm all in on this. I think this is great. This is the anti-LeBron. What LeBron has done is try to tear the NBA apart from his players. Here's the NBA, here's its players, and LeBron is trying to tear them apart. It ain't going to work for LeBron or anybody else. So good for Tiger Woods, great for Tiger Woods. All right. When he was in Indianapolis, there was no bigger idiot than Steven Jackson. Tony Dungy famously tells a story of living next to Steven Jackson, and it was crazy party, wild things, gunshots, violent, all kind of stupid stuff. Steven Jackson is a stone-cold dumbass. Steven Jackson now considers himself to be the face, the face, ladies and gentlemen, of the civil rights movement. He seems to think he's more important than Martin Luther Luther King. He's the face of the biggest civil rights movement ever. Here's Steven Jackson. Well, the NBA didn't move to Steven Jackson because he's, you know, he's a crazy, dope-smoking moron. I mean, you know, what do you want me to tell you? And, you know, God rest his soul, and it's unfortunate what happened to George Floyd. Uh, really unfortunate. And it seems like the folks that, I don't know, the folks that, you know, perpetrated that are in jail. But George Floyd was the same thing. George Floyd was a fentanyl-using, uh, violent criminal. And Steven Jackson's his buddy. So Steven Jackson being his buddy, hey, look, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want you involved. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm not, I don't want you involved at all. There's nothing about Steven Jackson, zero, zip, nada. Nothing about Steven Jackson that makes me want him involved in anything, anything that I am doing. Nothing. Do your podcast, smoke your weed, good for you. Good for you. You got home invasion on Floyd, you got eight crimes, you got all kinds of stuff with Floyd. And you know what? What happened to George Floyd was horrible. What happened after was horrible. Burning up cities. The media covering up for it, being scared to death to say, look, you got to stop this. Our own mayor, ridiculous, wherever he was, maybe he was drunk, maybe he wasn't, maybe he was incapacitated, maybe he wasn't, but letting our town burn because we were so scared to be called racist. We were so scared to say, look, what happened here was God awful, but you can't go burning down cities because of it. You want to protest? Let's go. It didn't change anything other than make cities stink and put more African-Americans on TV. That's it. So I don't want Steven Jackson around. I don't want him around anything. And if he is the face, God bless him. But he ain't no Martin Luther King, let's put it uh, that way. Speaking of fake anti-white dudes, look, Bobby Barack, our partner, says that uh, Mark Jones's fake anti-white bigotry kept him from being laid off. I don't think that's particularly true. I don't think that's particularly false. Mark Jones actually has a little bit of versatility to him. You got to have somebody call the games. Mark Jones is, uh, I I guess he's African-American. I don't know. But Mark Jones, uh, he does have an anti-white bigotry. And Mark Jones is the most nondescript. Mark Jones ought to send, I don't know, 
pizzas to Bobby Barak because nobody would know who Mark Jones is if it weren't for OutKick. Mark Jones has been the most nondescript vanilla announcer ever. But Mark Jones, somehow, because Bobby Barak has detailed all of his racist stuff, like white police officers, he's afraid they're going to shoot him as they escort him in and out of a football stadium, is just ridiculous, liking things that call his colleague, Stephen A. Smith, ridiculously bad, bigoted words. He likes them. That's Mark Jones. But I don't know if they're afraid of being called racist by Mark Jones. I don't know that they're not. Mark Jones ain't afraid to call you racist. Mark Jones is married to a white lady. Mark Jones is fronting, as we say, growing up in Gary, Indiana. Quit fronting, fool. That's Mark Jones. That is, that's Mark Jones. I'm just saying. You guys can think otherwise, and I'm all for you, but hey, what do you want me to tell you? Uh, Kraken removed book talks. After an Alex Wenberg controversy, it's a highly sexualized TikTok that players are like, hey, man, what are we doing, Kraken? Like, I thought Kraken was like gin, but apparently Kraken is a team in Seattle, the Kraken. Uh, Kiara Lewis, a popular book talk creator, has found herself at odds with professional hockey team, the Seattle Kraken. And Felicia Wenberg, the wife of the team star center, spoke out against the book talk's tendency to over-sexualize players for content. Look, I wish I cared. I don't care about this either. Northwestern hired Loretta Lynch to lead their investigation. What a mess Northwestern is. I mean, so this is a former attorney general of the United States. So now think about this. This is Northwestern. You got a guy, Skip Holtz, coming in to hold the hand of the interim coach. All right? Why they pick Skip Holtz, I have no idea. But they pick Skip Holtz. So Skip Holtz is coming in as an assistant coach. Oh, okay. Great. Really? Oh, good. Why? Because the head coach can't handle himself. Because a guy that they made an interim isn't good enough to handle this, apparently. Now, he spoke really well at the Big Ten media, uh, media days. He did. He spoke really well. But I got to tell you, here's the deal. If I need a guy like Skip Holtz, when I was the interim head coach of Indiana, if they said they were bringing in a guy to hold my hand, I'd say, you just make him the coach, man. You just make him the coach. A little different. I had 10 years of head coaching experience. But go ahead. You just make him the coach. So now they've got all these people. And former Attorney General Loretta Lynch is going to come in and investigate. Now, remember this. Remember when they put a two-week suspension without pay on Pat Fitzgerald? They had an investigation. It came back. Social media talked. Next thing you know, they said, wait, the president did. I haven't seen the investigation. I didn't know. I just signed off on it. So now you're bringing in a former attorney general to do another investigation. So the, and, and I don't blame you. When you're so inept, when you're trying to cover it up, when you are not really investigating and it blows up in your face, you must go to outside counsel. But I want you to think about this. Is this a bigger symptom of our major universities being full of crapola? Like we all know that professors are out of their minds, right? Professors have lost their minds. Professors are insane. 
Like, they're so far left-leaning that they spin around. Just I don't even know what they do. But is it a bigger symptom here? Is it a bigger symptom that, oh, by the way, I don't know. We're so bad at our jobs at Northwestern. We're so bad at policing our own that we need an independent investigator to come in and investigate our investigation. See, it should be the other way around. It should be that attorney generals should have, hey, look, where are we going to get the smartest people to come in and look at this? Northwestern, Stanford, Harvard, yeah. That's where we should be getting people from. Not the other way around. Again, I go back. I was on Trey Gowdy's show. We were talking about live and Congress being involved, and it was like this. Hey, has Congress ever solved anything? The answer, of course, is no. Has an attorney general ever come in and solved anything? The answer, of course, is no. Never. Go get him. Go get him, Loretta Lynch. We need Loretta Lynch. More Loretta Lynch. Man, that's insanity to me. All right, Jimmy Ursay says, listen to this. The Saudis aren't messing around. Our friend Jimmy Ursay. Jimmy Ursay was offered a billion dollars for his guitar collection. Jim Ursay says he was offered more than $1 billion to move his one-of-a-kind, world-renowned guitar collection to Dubai. That's right. Move it to Dubai, billion. I was offered by a Middle East element, kind of like what's been going on in golf a little bit, $1.15 billion for the collection. They wanted to move it to Dubai, and they wanted it in totality. How about them apples? I'm not going to lie to you. Somebody says, well, you know, Jimmy Ursay is a billionaire. He doesn't need the money. Really? Really? You don't think Jim Ursay needs the money? You don't think Jim Ursay couldn't use another $1.15 billion for what? Doing what? Uh, not. I bet he wouldn't even have to pack his guitar. His guitar. I, come on over. Here's where they are. I'll get them to you. Now, I guarantee this is going to happen. I gar- and this is probably already happening. Um, I guarantee you, because Indianapolis crooks are the dumbest of the dumb. All right? Like, there's no one stupider than criminals here in Indianapolis. No one dumb. So somebody is going to break in or try to break into Ursay's house. I'm just telling you there is. And I'm sure there already are. But I'm telling you, they'll be caught. I bet you you'll read about it within, I don't know, two months. I know where Jimmy Ursay lives. He's got a wall. There's always a cop out in front. You know, blah, 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 blah. But any criminals are stupid. They're just stupid. They're brazen, but they're stupid. Look, I guarantee you, somebody tries to jump that wall, (laughs) and next thing you know, they're going to try to steal his guitars, they're going to get caught, it's going to be a story, and you know what? There you go. And I can't wait for it. Because, well, they're just stupid. I'm sorry. A lot of stupid people walking around Indy, but they got guns, so they shoot each other. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Um... The deal is simple. See, you guys get mad at lyrics. Not you guys. People get mad at lyrics. Try that in a small town. 
Try that in a small town, damn it. Try that in a small town. Wow, we can't have that. That's inciting violence. What are we doing? It's inciting violence. We cannot have this. ESPN. ESPN decided that, well, their new theme song. They're having a new theme song. All right. Except that the new theme song references sex, popping pills, oh, I don't know, uh, what else? Oh, suicide, drug use, murder. How about that? Now, look, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not mad at anybody ever. That does that wants to get mad at lyrics. You want to get mad at lyrics? You know that song "Jump Around," right after "Jump, Jump, Jump, Jump Around" that everybody made famous at Wisconsin and everybody plays. Um, well, the next lyric, two lyrics later, are "I'm slapping the hoe." I'm just saying. So jump, 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 jump around. I'm slapping a hoe, huh? What? What What now? We're, we're, we're slapping a hoe? We're, we're doing what? All right. Uh, that's the theme song. That's the theme song that, well, that's not the theme song, but the theme song that the NBA is trotting out there references suicide, or excuse me, that ESPN is trotting out there references suicide, drug use, pill popping, But ESPN is, well, you know, they're above all that. I don't have any problem. I honestly don't care. I don't care even a little bit. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. But just be consistent. I don't want to hear, you know, how many different lyrics has Snoop Dogg talking about slapping girls, abusing women, all these idiots. All these idiots have made a ton of money, and we don't care. But we get mad because try that in a small town? Nah. I'm not having it, people. I will not have this. This needs to be called out. I don't care what your theme song is. What do I care? You can throw out anything you want to me. What would I give a rat's ass? But at least be a little bit consistent, will you please? Uh, Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell says Aaron Rodgers will take the team over the next hill. And Le'Veon Bell still hates Adam Gaze because when you're Le'Veon Bell and you're an idiot like Le'Veon Bell, yeah, that old line was good when I was there. We just didn't have an opportunity to do anything with it because we weren't running a ball enough, but that's a different story. Adam Gaze is terrible. He was a terrible coach. I'm so glad I stopped playing with him. You're never going to get away from Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell because they're both dumbasses. They're both dumbasses, and dumbasses are what we go to in our culture like I'm going to it right now. I'm going to it right now because the New York Jets are all the rage. The New York Jets are going to do this. The New York Jets are on hard knocks. They're going to do that. Yay, Ron, go fight, win. But Le'Veon Bell, I'm glad I stopped playing for him. I think they're pretty glad you stopped playing too. They paid you a lot of money for no production. Go back to boxing. Go get, and you know what should happen? I think there should be a a show of crazy. Steven Jackson, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown should do a show. They should do a show and just called it crazy. That's it. Crazy. People would watch. 
people would listen. They would be philosophers. They would tell you all the inside stuff, and you'd love it. Crazy with Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and Steven Jackson. Brought to you by Bud Light. I think that'd be pretty good. I can't wait to talk to Allison Williams. We owe Allison Williams, the whole world does, an apology. Allison Williams stood up to ESPN. They wanted her to get vaccinated. She said, hell no, I'm trying to get pregnant. Turned out she was wrong. Turned out, well, she went in front of Congress and did what Allison Williams did, just outsmarts people. I'm going to try to raise this chair. If you don't see me, I'll be under the table. But I'm going to try to raise this chair when we come back. And do, yeah, like and subscribe and all that stuff. See if I can do this without falling. Go to break. There's no uh, Allison Williams next. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back. Allison Williams is currently getting her child uh, ready for whatever you get ready. So she'll be on in a minute. But let me explain to you the greatness of Allison Williams. Allison Williams got famously fired from ESPN. A lot of dipshits uh, decided to take shots at her all across the country. Turns out she was right. You know, a lot of ladies are having trouble doing different things based on what transpired a few years ago. I I had a doctor. The doctor very clearly told Uh, his family and me, hey, look, if you're a woman, be very careful taking the shot. Be very careful. We don't have enough information, particularly if you're a woman that is trying to get pregnant. Elson Williams was trying to get pregnant. She didn't take the shot. She worked through a variety of things. ESPN said, hey, tough. You're gone. You're done. It's over. All right. Well, Elson Williams was right. And Allison Williams had a chance to speak to Congress about that. Here's Allison Williams in front of Congress. But the impact wasn't just on our livelihoods, it was on our lives. We were bullied, vilified, slandered, and ostracized. Nights were sleepless, days consumed by doubt and worry. Thankfully, my resolve strengthened with constant prayer, faith in God, and the support of loved ones. As I, like so many others, tried to come to terms with my new reality and reconsider how to provide for my family, our own elected government officials shamed us. Anyone who didn't obediently follow orders to get in line and roll up their sleeves was portrayed as an enemy and a threat. No regard given to natural immunity, personal convictions, religious beliefs, or individual health. All valid reasons for declining this injection. If you were unvaccinated, you were part of the problem. And that's why today I hope to be part of this solution, to make sure this type of tyranny never happens again in this great country, that we acknowledge the misguided directives and unnecessary harms done to countless Americans, harms caused not by the virus, but by the response. If we are truly the land of the free, the one thing that should be mandated is that we will never trample the civil liberties and bodily autonomy of our citizens again. You know, one of the things that came out And I can't wait to talk to Allison about that. One of the things that came out for Allison, and this is what always happens, there's a saying in coaching. Saying is, look, if you get fired in coaching, you usually end up with a better job. I didn't get fired from Bowling Green. I decided I didn't want to coach there anymore. I was was treading my uh, heel. I was treading water. They probably didn't want me as much as I didn't want to be there anymore. So I let my contract run out, and I told them I'm not negotiating. I'm done. I'm going to go do something else. It's kind of how I like to live my life. I like to see things. But, however, 
It's kind of my choice. Allison Williams lost her job at ESPN. Allison Williams was told, you're done, you're out. Now, this is, you got to understand, a big deal because Allison Williams was the one on the podium at the college football championship game. She was the one giving the trophy. She was the one conducting the interview. She, ladies and gentlemen, you can talk about anybody you want in the industry of broadcasting, particularly the industry of sideline reporting, of hosting, and there is nobody, and I mean nobody, better than Allison Williams, but ESPN did not care. ESPN said, look, you take this shot or you are gone. Allison Williams tried to do everything that she could. She's a young mother. She's trying to get pregnant. She wants to have a family. You need a job for crying out loud. So Allison Williams went through the proper steps at ESPN. She tried to get different exemptions. They said no. They fired her. But as I said before, and I'll say again, with all great people who are really good at their job, she got a better job. And now she's at Fox. And now she joins us after, hey, Dubs, you and I were texting. I've always said this. I don't get nervous much, okay? But I got to think it is a little daunting walking in there and looking around. And, you know, you're the one at the, at the desk and everybody's around you. Everybody, all these guys are in front of you. What was that like speaking in front of Congress? Yeah, it was a little intimidating, um, especially just the way it's set up. Like, they're literally higher than you <laughs> so they're up on their you know i guess kind of um like bench area and you're several feet lower than them so you're literally looking up to them so that was a little intimidating and then just the formality of it is a little overwhelming right i mean you like you have to swear in you take an oath to tell the truth that whole deal so just the setting um is kind of impressive and and definitely got my heart rate up a little bit and and the formality and just i think too I felt a lot of pressure going in front of the subcommittee to to represent what a lot of people went through, because I'm very much aware that while my story has garnered attention, it's not unique. There's so many people who went through exactly what I did and some of them in much worse situations and scenarios. So um, it, it was it was an honor in a lot of ways. But, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it was a bit nerve wracking for sure. What were you called there to do? What what was the what, what is this subcommittee trying to get done? Yeah, that's a really good question and one I've gotten several times um, and I, I wasn't aware at all really going into this. So essentially the Republicans have put together um, a subcommittee on COVID-19 oversight and accountability and their mission is to analyze the way in which the federal government, specifically um, under Biden, responded to the COVID-19 pandemic and they have many um they'll have many committee meetings within this subcommittee in different aspects of the pandemic. And this one was specifically on mandates. They reached out to me. They actually got my contact. Uh, I don't know how they heard my story, but they did. And they got my contact information through a contact at Daily Wire. And I was contacted and they said, you know, would you be interested in, in hearing what this person has to say? I'm not sure what they want, but it's from, you know, the subcommittee, yada, yada. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Let me, you know, feel this out. And, um, I was, you know, out on a boat in Michigan here and enjoying myself. And uh, next thing I knew, I had a Zoom meeting with some of the attorneys representing um, the congressmen on the subcommittee. So they have these hearings and call in different witnesses. The Republicans had three. Uh, one of them was myself, a doctor from University of uh, Washington, and then a lawyer representing several of the um, Navy SEALs. Who, who had fallen under the mandate and suffered consequences because of that. And then the Democrats had one witness, which was a doctor as well. 
And essentially, they it's an information gathering process to then analyze how things transpired and then potentially propose legislation to make sure any injustices that occurred don't happen again, theoretically. Um, that That's the idea, the premise, the intent behind all of it. I will say um, the process of in and of itself, I found a bit frustrating. It, it, I mean, of course, it's a federal government, like big surprise. It, I was very excited for the opportunity to speak. I did not realize that basically after I gave my testimony, I wasn't going to be asked any questions or really speak again. And that was a bit frustrating. I realized the majority of uh, the Congress members that spoke just used it as a time to rant on whatever they wanted to, really. I mean, some of it had nothing to do with the pandemic or with the mandates. One representative on the Democratic side got up and was holding up tweets from RFK Jr. I mean, it was bizarre, um, like nothing to do with the mandate. So that that was frustrating to me. I thought Chairman Wenstrup did a really good job. And I thought, I thought there would be more of an opportunity to dig into the mandates. And all the Democrats wanted to talk about was safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. It's safe 3.2 million lives, blah, 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 blah. Okay, great. Perfect. That's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about how it should be a choice. And I just thought there would be more discourse. And it was presented to me as, hey, five minutes to speak. And then each representative gets five minutes to ask questions. But really, it was each Congress member speaking for five minutes and then getting up and leaving. So that was a little disheartening and frustrating. Like, okay, I wanted to, I wanted to challenge here. I wanted a debate. I wanted discourse. I want you to tell me why you should tell me what to do with my body and not me. I wanted a Democrat to come at me and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So I'm good to like abort this pregnancy, but I'm not good to protect this pregnancy. Like, can you make that make sense? Um, what the representative um, from Michigan, uh, Mrs. Dingle, she got up and and went off about how she got uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome from the flu shot years ago and was temporarily paralyzed and how horrible of a reaction it was. And she was scared to get the COVID vaccine and she didn't want to get it. And she talked to 20 different doctors and they all told her to get it and she got it and she's fine. And she asks the Democratic uh, witness, Dr. Lynch, a couple questions. And at the end, she says, should everybody get a flu shot? And he says, yes, everybody should get a flu shot. And she gets up and walks away and goes, everybody but me, because I will never get a flu shot again. And she just walks out the room. And I'm like, well, I want to be like, hold up. So what if you were told you had to get a flu shot to serve in Congress? Then how would you feel? Because that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about whether or not you should get a COVID shot. We're talking about the fact that you had the opportunity to consult with your doctors, decide that COVID shot was safe for you, and get it on your own will. Not be forced to get it, or be forced to get a flu shot, or be forced to get anything. So... Yeah, it, it was frustrating in a lot of ways, um, just the lack of discourse that actually occurred throughout the, oh my gosh, like three hours I was there. By, by walking away, she made your point, and she did not know she made your point. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's true. That, that was the other thing. They, they just get up, like they speak, and they leave. I mean, I think when I gave my testimony, only four of the members were there, I want to say four or five of the um, 15. So, you know, they're busy, like they're all over the place. I get it. Um, and they could have read it the night before too. So we had to submit it in advance. So that's entirely possible. But it just felt like to ask citizens, um, you know, you have to pay your way there. You have to get there by your own means and so forth and take a lot of time out of your day and 
and put forth the effort to be there in person, I think there should have been more engagement. Um, like for like for example, none, none of the Democrats asked any of the Republican witnesses one question, not one. Um, and the the Congress member from Hawaii spoke to how uh, the vaccine helped protect military readiness. And here she has a lawyer who's who's representing members of the military in a lawsuit. Like let's engage then. If if you think that that this helped prepare America's military and prevent us from, you know, suffering harm to our military readiness, well, then let's speak to the person who has the opposite opinion and let's engage. And they don't. They just, she got up there and spoke for five minutes and then that was it. So that was a little, that was frustrating to me that um, there wasn't more engagement in the people that took the time to come and testify in front of Congress. Um, it seemed like there should have been more more discourse throughout the, the three hours. I I feel like if based on what you're telling me, I feel like every congressperson had like one of their staffers there with a phone videotaping them so they could put out this filibuster onto their website without without any context. That's what it feels right. like what you're saying. Yes. And I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's why the the gentleman from I think he was from California, did that with the RFK Jr. tweets. And then he brought up one from Marjorie Taylor Greene. And she's sitting and she's like, give me a break. Like, what does this have to do? You know, she she spoke up a little bit to challenge that and and Wenstrup had to kind of mediate it. Um, but even even Marjorie Taylor Greene, who made great points that need to be addressed and need to be out there and need to be public and part of congressional record. You know, she she shared the story of a person in her um in her state that had suffered very badly from the COVID-19 vaccine and was still dealing with the repercussions of it. And she brought up several charts and she was like, you know, Miss Williams, you're right. Miscarriages are up. Stillbirths are up. You made the right decision. All really valid points. Again, then bring it to the, to the, to the topic of the mandates. Um, so that's, yes, there are safety concerns. And she brought up a bunch of stuff from theirs and so forth and had all of her charts. Um, but to your point, it did feel like that was just so then it could be clipped and and put online and put on Twitter and get hits and get views. It didn't feel like it was presented. At least it wasn't brought back full circle to be presented within the context of discussing the mandates. And that's why I was getting a little bit frustrated by the end. I'm like, OK, is everybody just going to get up here and, and debate the safety and the efficacy of this thing? Or are we going to talk about the issue that I thought we were going to talk about, which was the mandates? And again, like she made fabulous points that need to be out there. So I understand the need to use that time in that capacity. But I still think it could have been brought back to full circle. Like, hey, this is why we can't require these things because we don't know the long-term safety data. And as we learn more, we do see there are risks and only those people have to live with the consequences of getting this injection and and the the um, ill effects if they have any. So yeah, it was, it was a wild day. Um, I was really excited going in. Beth Faber, who's... Um, my uh she's been kind of my partner in crime through this whole deal lost her job at espn2 and is named in the lawsuit with me uh she came down she drove down from buffalo new york to be there and submitted her testimony as well uh just in written form and so i think for both of us to kind of like get that day in court um if you will on, on in front of our government meant a lot and i appreciated that opportunity for sure yeah, I mean, you appreciate it, but, you know, can you imagine if you were there on a daily basis and you come into Congress as a freshman and you want to do good, 
and right. see what you saw, like in every area, like yeah. it, it, common sense just thrown out the door for political grandstanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the infighting. It's a great point because I did look around the room and there were so many young interns there. Um, you could tell they were probably just out of college or in college. Um, and I thought about that, like it has to be so disheartening because you do, you have such optimism and hope and you get into this, I would think, into politics, a lot of people, because you do want to serve the public. And then you realize that's not necessarily a, a shared view or belief of a lot of your colleagues, unfortunately. And there's just a lot of infighting, um, a lot of just not listening, like it just talking. People just talk, they don't listen. And I think that's really frustrating as somebody who, careers built on listening uh, to look around the room and realize, wow, none of you are here to hear what anyone else has to say. You're only here to say what you want to say. Um, yes. it, did, it did not feel like uh, they were coming from a place of humility and, and like public servitude. So you, you, let's move it forward. Like, is there anything that you expect to be informed of from them, from that, that subcommittee that came out of this? No, not necessarily. They had, I think, five days if they wanted to submit any follow-up questions for me to answer. Um, but that has passed, um, or will today. So no, I don't expect to hear, you know, anything in response to this. I do appreciate, again, like the platform to further the discussion. And, and you know, so many people want to move past this time. And I do too, trust me. Like, I'm, I'm ready to put this chapter behind me. But honestly, we can't because if we do, then we run the risk of it happening again. And and that's what I appreciate about the subcommittee is because that's what they're hopefully going to prevent from happening. We'll see if anything, you know, can get through with the legislative process. Um, but that's that's the most important thing. And, and that's the thing that from the beginning I said, it was, I'm not just fighting for people who are against this mandate. I'm fighting for everybody because so many people, and I heard this over and over from the Democrats, so many people supported the mandates because they supported the vaccine. But there can very well come a time when there is a government medical intervention that you do not support, that you do not agree with, that you do not need. And if we set the precedent that the government knows best and not the individual and not the doctors, that is a very scary place to be in because then we are we have completely seceded our freedom, our bodily autonomy, um, our, ourselves as sovereign beings. And to me, that autonomy comes from God. Like that's the highest authority. The Constitution protects it, but the autonomy, the, the sovereignty comes from God. And to me, that's the highest authority. So if we start to lose that, that is scary. And I just wish people could wake up and realize you can support the vaccine. You can think it is the greatest thing, the greatest medical intervention ever. And as the Democrats said, it got us out of the pandemic and it got our economy back on track. Great. Fine. Not going to argue you. You want to believe that? You want to find the science to support that? Go ahead. The point remains it should always be an individual's choice what they do with their bodies. And it shouldn't be at risk of being ostracized socially. It shouldn't be to go to a concert. It shouldn't be to keep a job. You should make health decisions for health reasons. And they need to be made by individuals. I understand the sense of public health and the greater collective, but I promise you when people are better as individuals, we are better as a collective. And and, and I, I, I just think people need to remember that they need to be in control. They don't need to be saved by the government. We are autonomous beings. We need to do what is best for us as individuals, and then we will be better as a collective. You do not need to be saved by the government. That's a really scary place to open up that door to. 
It is. And, you know, I, I, I was thinking as you were, you were talking, like, you know, I, I did a thing where for 60 straight days I had healthcare workers from various yeah. hospitals, actually Eskenazi Health, come on my show. And I got so many notes uh, that so many had been fired. The next year, these are heroes that, right. you know, had to undress in their uh, garages, have a robe, run into their house, not touch anybody, take a shower because they kept doing their jobs. And, and six months later, they're being fired because they yeah. knew more than probably the people making the laws and didn't want to get the vaccine. It, it, it's just astounding to me what happened. It really is. Yeah, and then the way, too, they were discrediting natural immunity was really interesting to me. So the the doctor that the Democrats brought in was basically arguing. It. Yeah, and, well, and they kept saying um, the way you say things matters. So they started off from the beginning by discrediting, trying to discredit everyone um, in the weakest possible way, which is just attaching like derogatory labels. So they, they from the beginning said, you know, these people who don't want to take vaccines are right wing extremists, QAnon believers. Um, like this, this derogatory, we're going to attack the person because we can't attack the argument method. I'm like, really? We're, we're still doing that? Like, I'm a right-wing extremist. Totally. Okay. Not even a registered Republican, but sure, right-wing extremist. Um, so they started off with that. And then they kept saying, well, the way we say things matters. And they kept saying that it blocks transmission. It blocks transmission. It blocks. It, it was like, how, how are, and then you're, you're accusing other people of spreading misinformation. To say it blocks transmission is misinformation. Like, that's a lie. Um, so it was very bizarre. And then they they had this doctor who basically went on and on about how hybrid immunity was best, that natural immunity helps, but the best is natural immunity plus the vaccine. But he never explained to what extent. He never um, recognized that maybe the... Um, like to what degree the benefit would be would that be for at risk people you know elderly people people with you know obesity or whatever underlying medical conditions might still need the vaccine like he he just kept treating this as a one size fits all and even if you had natural immunity well you should get the vaccine because it shows that it's you're even more immune and you can you're more likely to transmit less of the virus because you'll have a lower viral load but it, it was just so um it was so not individual specific and just these broad blanket terms. And there was never a risk benefit, you know, discussion. Um, and again, there there was never a, okay, well, as you as an individual doctor should make that decision with your individual patient instead of the government coming in and telling you the conclusion you need to reach, which is everybody should get the vaccine to keep their employment or to travel or whatever, you know, restrictions they wanted to place. So yeah, it was, it was really frustrating. Um, the, again, the, the repetitive talking points with the Democrats and this idea that just because you wanted to make a decision for yourself, like, you're a right-wing extremist. I mean, like, really? Yeah. That, that's that's what we're going to, yeah, QAnon. I can't even, like, pronounce it right. Totally down with that person. I, it's just, it, it's frustrating that they still have to, like, result or re, um, resort to this name-calling instead of, like, just having the discussion, like, can we just talk as normal civil people? But that doesn't happen on Capitol Hill. <laughs> right. I did think Thanks, of you Allison. too. You before wrong. I went, real quick, before I went, I was getting ready to leave. And, all, you know, my sisters are all home. We're all back in Michigan. And I'm getting ready to fly out. And they're like, hey, so when they come to you, just sit there quiet and just look at everybody. And when they're like, go ahead, Miss Williams, you know, go ahead. I'm like, they're like, just sit there and be like, well, I'm waiting for my apology. 
<laughs> That's right. A world old like, Alice Doc, would love that. apology. <laughs> I tell you, you were awesome. No, you were really, really good. In fact, uh, I had a lot of people uh, send me texts. Hey, uh, they call me. They call you my girl. I saw your girl on uh, on Congress. She's ripping up Congress. I go, well, duh. They were stupid to have her on because she's smarter than all of them. What's wrong with those people? Hey, uh, I got to get you back on. We got to talk some college football in a couple weeks, if you don't mind. I appreciate that. Yeah, I can't wait. It's right around the corner, man. Week one, I got uh, Rice at Texas, so we'll chat before that one. Ooh, thanks, Allison. Appreciate you. You got it. See you, Doc. She's awesome. Allison Williams is owed an apology by the American people, particularly you idiots that decided to criticize her on Twitter when she made her decision. You all were nasty to her. Nasty people. Don't come around me and criticize Allison Williams because I – Love that woman. I do. I worked with her for a number of years. She's so much fun. We had great times. I've told you this before. Tariko, Bart Fox, our, our producer, Scotty Johnson, our director, and myself and Allison, we'd go to dinner on Monday nights, and it was like we all rushed to get there. Like, I'd get in my car as soon as my show was over, and I'd say, Lee, let's go. And if Lee couldn't go, she's like, you're in a bigger hurry to go to dinner with them. I go, I love going to dinner with them. It was a blank show. It was awesome. It was fun. And Allison made it fun. We had an epic night one night that I can never, you know, I can't get into. But it was, she's just fun. She's just insanely, insanely fun and smart. And I love having her on our show. I do. I'm sorry. I do. Hey, a um, couple of things. <sighs> Dan Campbell, the coach of the Detroit Lions. He was packing a lipper the other day. I chewed tobacco for 35 years. He put a big fat dip in in practice the other day. And I love that man. I I absolutely love him. He wants to have a live lion. He wants to go like college football on him. He wants to go live lion on the sidelines. Give me a cage. Give me a lion. And let's go. NFL said, yeah, we ain't really going to do that. Why would we do that? We don't need a live lion. We need more, I don't know, celebrities on the sideline. I don't know. (sighs) Sheila, she had no problem with it. But the league apparently frowns on these type of things. I'm not going to point out NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell on this. I'm just going to say that the league frowns on that. Let's just say that. Got a big old lip in. Harbaugh get the big old lipper in, too. He tries to hide it. Put a big old lip in, and next thing you know, I want a lion on the side. Hey, if they're running buffaloes onto the field, if we got Boomer, Boomer Sooner going across, you got that damn tiger at LSU, why can't D. Campbell have himself a live lion on the sideline? I think he should. I think the NFL is showing once again uh, they are the no-fun league. Have some fun. Put a live line and let him go. Jonathan Isaac stood. Jonathan Isaac stood when others knelt. He stood up. We'll get into that now. He has a line, an apparel line, that is trying to unite us. Oh, we'll come back with the NBA. Former Florida State great Jonathan Isaac. Next. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network.
Jonathan Isaac going to join us coming up here in a minute. He, ladies and gentlemen, stood when others knelt. He decided that he was going to stand during the entire NBA uh, deal, when the NBA was kneeling, when the NBA was uh, angry, when the NBA decided they were going to kneel for the anthem. Jonathan Isaac stood. We will get into that. He now is launching an athletic apparel brand dedicated to his Christian faith and American values. He is calling this U-N-I-T-U-S, Unite Us, as an alternative to woke retail brands like Nike. He said his decision to stand during the national anthem and develop his clothing, clothing brand were inspired by his faith. He didn't Uh, He told Fox and Friends on Tuesday that, well, frankly, he didn't believe that kneeling during the anthem was uh, or wearing Black Lives Matter would provide any real solution. So he is taking it upon himself. And I got to tell you, I didn't want to align myself with the Black Lives Matter movement and organization. I felt that a true answer to all the problem that we see, not just racism, was the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I decided to stand up and share it. He also talks about what he is doing with this company. It's an act of support for the, oh, wow. He says that woke companies are an act of support for leftist politicians and the progressive message those companies do. When you do give your money to companies that don't support our values, you're co-signing with the message. So what I wanted to do was give American Americans, freedom-loving Americans, faith-loving Americans, the opportunity to buy with their values. According to us, Jonathan Isaac just canceled. So there you go. But I gave him good pub right there. Jonathan Isaac's team said something came up, and he had to cancel. Not the first time that is happening, but hey, we do have Ronnie Jackson coming up at 1.30, and you know I got stuff to talk about. You know that I do. Lizzo is a biggin. Lizzo is 10 different kinds of big. Lizzo is being sued. Lizzo, ladies and gentlemen, is, oh well, she's being sued for a number of things. Sexual harassment, fat phobic treatment. Lizzo wanted her dancers to get plump. Lizzo wanted her gals to get big. She said, if I'm big, you all get big. And Lizzo said, screw you all. I'm going to get fat. I'm going to get big. I'm going to go and make you get as fat as me. So she was sued over a hostile work environment. I I can't stand this woman. I don't even know this woman. I've not heard one song. Three former dancers have filed a suit accusing the singer of sexual harassment and creating a hostile work environment. They pressured one of them to touch a nude performer at an Amsterdam club. Yeah. And subjected the group to an excruciating auditioning after leveling false accusations that they were drinking on the job. They accused Lizzo, a biggin, for calling attention to one of the dancer's weight gain, berating and firing that dancer after she recorded a meeting because of her health condition. Oh, man. The suit also says Lizzo's dance team, well, They're just bad people. Lizzo's former creative director, along with one of her former dancers, shared support for the lawsuit against the singer. I'm not a part of the lawsuit, but this was very much my experience in my time there. I very much applaud the dancer's courage to bring this up. Now, it's hard 
for our media. It's hard for our media because Lizzo is a big, fat African-American woman. All right? (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Apparently, Lizzo, listen to this, also accuses the captain of Lizzo's dance team of something to the other performers and deriding those that had premarital sex while sharing, look at this thing, while sharing lewd sexual fantasies, simulating oral sex, and publicly discussing the virginity of one of the plaintiffs. Suit doesn't say whether Lizzo knew about the allegations linked to the dance captain. Her name was Shirlene Quigley, but the plaintiffs believe the singer was aware of their complaints about her. Melissa Vivian Jefferson is Lizzo's real name. Oh, man. The stunning nature of how Lizzo and her management team treated their performance seems to go against everything Lizzo stands for publicly. (sighs) All right. While privately, she weight shames her dancers and demeans them in ways that are not only illegal, but absolutely demoralizing. The suit alleges Lizzo, accuses Lizzo, called attention to a dancer's weight after an appearance at South by Southwest at the music festival there. The singer and her choreographer later told the dancer, uh, Adriana Davis, that she seemed less committed to her role, a comment the suit describes as a veiled weight, thinly veiled concern about her weight. Yeah, look, I don't know where to go on this. I I don't know. You know, I don't know. What is everything thinly veiled? Uh, Apparently Lizzo in Amsterdam began inviting cast members to take turn touching the nude performers, catching dildos launched from a performer's vaginas and eating bananas protruding from the performer's vaginas. Lizzo then turned her attention to Miss Davis and then began pressuring her to touch one of the breasts of the nude women. All right. There was a chant when Miss Davis was not going to cop a feel on one of the bosoms of a dancer. Lizzo's a freaking idiot. We all knew this. You all don't. Good for Lizzo, good for the dancers, good for everybody. Just sue everybody and let her big ass go out there and let her continue to do her thing because she is Lizzo. Hey, I got a What the Hell Wednesdays for you. Let's do it right now, ladies and gentlemen. You know it's What the Hell Wednesday. You know we love What the Hell Wednesdays. You know our crack, not on crack, but crack staff. Somebody said to me, Dan, when you say your crack staff, I think you're meaning they're on crack. And my response to that guy was, you're an idiot. No rational thinking human being would think that, but I digress. So now, ladies and gentlemen, it is Wednesday. It is 10-10-ish. 10-10, on Wednesday. We usually give you What the Hell Wednesday. Let's roll tape, baby, on What the Hell Wednesday. Give me number one, will you please? I love What the Hell Wednesday. What? <laughs> what did I miss there? What did I miss? <laughs> Somebody tell me what I missed. Oh, it fixed the TV. Do that again, will you? Oh, yeah. That's old school. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it takes me three times to see what's actually going on. You know, when you were a kid and you had the Zenith, 
when you had the Zenith or whatever our thing was, the console, the big console, your dad would make you go, hey, give it a whack or two, see if that thing is straightened out. And a lot of time, the fuzz that you used to see, you guys aren't used to the fuzz. I got pits. But the fuzz that you used to see went away with a little shot. Look at that. How about that? That looks like Joey and Jennifer Aniston. That's pretty good. What the hell? That is a what the hell. Thank you, Nick. Keep me abreast on what's going on here because I'm not smart enough. Not happy. Oh, 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 man. Look at this. People are nuts, man. People have vision. Like, that's pretty strong. And then let's end it with a wow. You know how easy that looks? Do you know when people are so strong that stuff like that just looks easy? I mean, this guy is making this look simple. Whoop! And he stuck the damn landing. You know what? You know what is coming to the Olympics? Breakdancing. Breakdancing is coming to the Olympics because, well, that's what we must do in the modern world that we live in. We just must add iconic moves from the 80s. Look, when I went to the Crazy Horse on a Saturday night in Bloomington, Indiana, and I had my hair was flowing I had my jeans on, and I had my Indiana basketball shirt on. Let me tell you something. When I got on that dance floor and spun on my back, the crowd went wild. I could have been a dancer. I think this should be an Olympic sport. I think they should put people, they being the Olympic Olympic, uh, committee, should put people on top of buildings and do this. Think about the combination. It's a combination of gymnastics. It's a combination of strength. It's a combination of of speed, and it really, it really could be done very simply. I think this, you should get 10-story buildings. Now, pad it so nobody dies, but 10-story buildings, who can get down, and then you combine it with speed, and of course, you got to stick the landing and stick your ass out and your face. This should be an Olympic sport. Next! Oh, my God. Idiots. Sounds like they're getting away from the police. Idiots. Idiot. Idiot. Almost dead idiot. Oh, my gosh. See, here's why this hits home. I have a pool out here, and I have a, I have a balcony, and then I have a taller little balcony off of the bedroom upstairs where, you know, things happen, baby. Anyway, you always look at them, and whenever I have a party, I'm like, look. Nobody can jump from the balcony into the pool because it looks easy. But I got to tell you, it's pretty long. Like, I don't think you can make it. But when you go to the top balcony over here at my house, it looks like you can't. That's why I'm squeamish with this. That's why that last guy, he's lucky he's alive. He should be dead. Now, this guy makes it easy, right? I don't know. He makes it easy. The second dude pushed off a little bit. He damn near flies over the thing. This makes my legs weak right here. Then, ow! What if you're halfway down and you know you're not going to make it? You know you're going to stop short. He stopped short. That. Ugh. All right, what's next? Whoa! Oh, no. What'd he do? Help me out here. Whoa! Listen to this. So this kid stabbed his parents' tires with a knife because he didn't want to go to school. Are you kidding me? This kid's a genius. I, how many of you raise your hand if you just faked a cough on a Sunday night? My daughter was always sick. I was always, Dad, I, I don't feel very good. 
This little crazy man decided, I'm going to stab my parents' back tire. We can't make it to school. You know, my parents would have told me, walk, and then give me all your money. You're paying for a new tire on the family truckster here. How about this kid? This kid's a genius. I love this kid. Boom. I don't know what happened. But kid, you didn't know. You got to know if you're going to be a criminal, first thing you got to know, where are the cameras? Where are the damn cameras? Do my parents have ring? Do they have ring? You got to know, kid. I'm sorry, but you just got to know. This is lack of preparation, but this kid's a genius. Absolute freaking genius. All right, what's next? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hey! Ah! No, no! Out, 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 out. Get out. Get out. Get out. We get, out. get out. Get out. Yo, out. No, it's fine. It's fine. Would you do that? Seriously. Would you walk up to, right now, would you walk up to this car door? Would you walk up to this car door and out, 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 get out, 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 out. I don't know that I would. I honestly don't know that I would. I would look at it and go, huh, what's the downside here? It tears up the car. I guess at some point you got to go and open the door and get the bear out. But I got to tell you, man, varmints in the wild, they scare me. I got a little fox around here that's mangy. I got traps outside. And I don't want to hear it because I'm going to release them, but I don't want to hear it. I got traps out here for chipmunks. I got, we just took away four raccoons out here. I don't like any of it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be involved in it. I don't want to see it. Period. Right now. But did the bear, watch this. Did the bear close the door? Because when the lady walks up, she got to open the door. Look, so did the bear know to close the door? Are bears people? Is that Sasquatch? These are all the things that I'm thinking. All right, what's next? Holy crap. Look at this. Do we got one more or no? Did I miss one? Damn. (laughs) I love What the Hell Wednesday. I think what the hell Wednesday may be our greatest invention I do. Hey, I have an ally. You know, yesterday I was bored. Yesterday, the show was over. I walked Lula, and I'm I'm obsessed with growing grass. I am obsessed with it. Like, I got grass growing in this corner. I've been raking. I got grass growing here. I got grass growing up top. I've been raking. I've been buying. I got seed, and I got mix. So I did that. And you know what? I, you know, I get three miles with Lula. I'm going up a hill here. I'm doing all this. I was kind of tired. I had to go to the bank. So I go to the bank. I got to put a check in. The guy sent me. So I go to the bank. I put a check in. And next thing you know, I'm like, you know what? It's a nice day. I got nothing to do. So I went door dashing. I did. I went on the dash. I went door dashing. And, you know, frankly, um, I don't know. It, it was good. I went on the dash, only went for about 30 minutes, made about 25 bucks. I'm going to send them, um, the money's going to our bikes program. But I had nothing to do. I figured, you know what? I grabbed lunch and I got in the car. There was a couple dashes and I went. You know who else door dashes? 
You're not going to believe this. Bryce Young. Bryce Young and I have something in common. We're two entrepreneurs. We're always looking for revenue streams. He went DoorDash and checked this out. Yeah, I was, I was driving for DoorDash. And um, honestly, I would have like a mask on and a hoodie. And then I would only really accept the like drop it at my door orders. So for the most part, I didn't really get, I never really got recognized or anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it was before NIL. So, you know, I was, I just, you know, want to have, just, you know, you want to have a little extra, extra money, you know, was, so uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of people have, have done it, so. Yeah, I did it when I lost four grand and I owed my family. A lot of people have made fun of me. Good for you. But I owed my family four grand. I did. I lost a bunch of money first day of the NCAA tournament uh, just before COVID, the year before. And I said, you know what? Woke up in the middle of the night, felt bad about it. I lost control for the one day. I'm not, I've not lost control since, I'll tell you that much. And I door dashed. It took me about six months to make the four grand. But every once in a while, I do it because I like being in the car. I like turning the music up. I always have. And nobody, I guess people recognize you. I don't know. But here's the deal. You walk into a restaurant. Somebody may say hello. You go. They carry it out. People think you're getting carry out. And I do the same exact thing that Bryce Young did. I go door dash at places where it is a contact less, they call it, delivery. People are like, oh, I'd love to go door dashing with you. I go, well, you'd love to be bored. Yeah, you would absolutely love to be bored because it isn't that much fun. Now, the one time it was, when I first started, I was driving home. I was playing golf. I was driving home. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to door dash my way home. I played golf on the other side of the city. Stop. Delivered. Bunch of dudes, dads, young dads were hanging out in this neighborhood, and I was bringing a bunch of food to them. And they were all drinking heavy. And they had heard my show that said I was going to do this, and they're like, holy crap, I can't believe you're actually doing it. I go, yeah. They gave me a 100-buck tip. They, they did. Now that money went to me because I had to pay back four grand. Now the money, because I don't lose control anymore, now the money, ladies and gentlemen, goes to my bikes program, which you can donate to at dandockage.com. Uh, you know the, the, the show Shark Tank? Do you know that show Shark Tank? It's Kevin O'Leary is one of the main dudes on Shark Tank. Well, Kevin O'Leary says something interesting. He said, hey, look. Look, you, can, you are not going to be able uh, to figure this out unless you teach a class. So Kevin O'Leary says the Dylan Mulvaney catastrophe for Bud Light is impossible, in his words, to even dream of. It's impossible. You can't even dream it up that it's going to happen. You can't even think it's going to happen. But it did. So now Kevin O'Leary is going to teach a class on it. He's going to teach a class at a college. What college is this? I thought I had it written down, but I don't. But O'Leary's like, look, look, here's his quote. You can't, this is an extraordinary case, and one I'll be teaching in business schools across America this fall. In the history of beer, in the history from when it was marketed, because remember, you're dealing with a commodity. Beer is essentially the same. What differentiates, what differentiates it is the brand. So you spend hundreds of millions of dollars a year building up a brand, and then you have to ask yourself on a campaign that really brings you into discussion about gender identity. Is that the right thing for my beer brand? Well, apparently not. Because if you spend $2 million a year 
the biggest moves in the beer market were measured by 1% to 5% in a year. That's extraordinary volatility. Listen to this. To lose 25% market share has never been achieved. It's impossible to even dream about. 25% market share is impossible. You cannot dream this. So what have we learned? Social media, a widely held view amongst my CEOs, is that if you get a bad social media story, it's going to go away in 24 to 48 hours. But that didn't happen here. We're still talking about the situation months later, and they continue to lose shares. That's the issue, number one. Number two, you've got to understand who your customers are. What they did there is very, very damaging. So there you go. I don't know. There you go. You lose 25% of market share in an industry where 1% to 5% market share is extraordinary. Volatile movement. That's the power that we have as conservatives. That's the power we should exert. We don't have to sit back and take this crap anymore. We don't have to sit back and have people tell us anything from, I don't know, men can be women to fat is healthy. We don't have to do that anymore. I guess you had to do that for a minute. You can come out and say that the blacklivesmatter.com is a sham. You can come out and say that. You can question what happened at Barack Obama's house. Now, you're not going to get the answers to it because that's the world that we live in, but you can certainly question it, and we're going to do that coming up with Ronnie Jackson. I'm looking forward to talking to Representative Jackson, who has been very vocal. This is a man that has done a lot. So we'll see what we shall see. But the truth of the matter is the level of it's okay to stand up. So we should. We absolutely should. Congressman Ronnie Jackson. We'll talk about Devin Archery's testimony. We'll talk about why he thinks the media is so in bed with the Bidens. Why with all this evidence is Hunter Biden and Joe Biden scot-free? I want to know. The mental, the mental fitness of Dianne Feinstein, Mitch McConnell, Joe Biden. Term limits. We'll get into all of it. We will, and we should, because let's be honest. It's okay. What's going to happen? Now, what's going to happen? The Indy Star going to write an article on you? Good. Write more. USA Today going to get mad at you? Good. Write more. I mean, I'm waiting for the New York Times to come out on a thing. Some guy got all over me and Bobby Barak about our comments about Bomani Jones. Good. Write more. What do we care? The beauty of working for OutKick is that we can speak openly, we can speak honestly. That's why Charlie came over. That's certainly why I came over. That's why a lot of guys are very happy to leave ESPN. Some are sad. Some are sad, which is why when the choice had to be made, should I stay in local radio? And they asked me to make a choice, local radio or do this. There was no choice. This is simple because you can speak. And Ronnie Jackson has been a guy that has always spoke. Uh, I do want to say this. This fascinates me. Nickelodeon. You know Nickelodeon, right? Nickelodeon, the kids' channel. Well, it's going to be, for the first time ever, Nickelodeon is going to have an alternate view, an alternate viewing, an alternate broadcast for the Super Bowl. Now, I think that's all right. I ain't mad at that even a little bit. So you're going to have the Super Bowl, And then you're going to be able to flip over, I guess, maybe your kids will, and watch an alternate broadcast of the Super Bowl. Interesting. People loved the splashing, the goo, the dumping on the head, the different antics that went on 
on the Nickelodeon channel during NFL games, and I do too. I got no problem. I think it's great. A lot of people, well, you can't mess with the Super Bowl. Well, you're not messing with it. You're probably enhancing it. And for those of you that think I did a walk of shame and I slept in these clothes and didn't shower, you're wrong. Nobody showers more than me, but the Cubs won 20 to 9 yesterday. They put themselves square. Now they got two games left. One tonight, 8.05 start. I'll be right over there. And then one tomorrow, 8.05 start. I'll be right over there. I'm watching them all. These are big games. They are. So I think I influenced the Cubs yesterday by wearing this shirt. By the way, some of you are asking, Mark Grace signed it. Mark Grace is a friend of a friend. So Mark Grace signed it. So look. I am superstitious. I will always be superstitious. So when we win, we being the Cubs, look, don't at me either. I call Cubs we, Illinois State basketball we. I'm going to call, I called Harvard we. I'm going to call IU softball we because Tegan's going to play Harvard softball, whatever schools my daughter was at. Edmondson, I called them we. Uh, that's what I do. So I don't want to hear about we. I don't want to hear none of them. We'll be right back. Ronnie Jackson is going to join us, and I'm so looking forward to this. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Hey, I want to get right to it. I do. Representative out of Texas, Ronnie Jackson, joins us. Sir, I already said thanks for being on privately, so I want to get right to it. What is going on here? Devin Archer's testimony, crickets and lies coming out uh, after that. Why is the national media so in bed with Hunter and Joe Biden? What's happening here? Well, you know, this is just another example of just this Trump derangement syndrome. When it comes to President Trump, everybody just forgets, you know, it just everything else is just set aside. You know, the, the, the uh, obviously the mainstream media has always been super biased and against most conservatives and Republicans, uh, but it's on steroids now with President Trump. And this is just a complete, you know, the way that they're covering up for Biden, you know, because of the association, I'm almost certain with his with his father, the president, uh, you know, who happens to be, you know, running against President Trump and and coming after his number one political opponent, President Trump. I mean, we got two different stories going on simultaneously here, right? We got one, we got Hunter Biden involved in this corruption scheme with, you know, I'm just going to say it. I mean, I've been saying it for a while with the hunt, with the, uh, you know, the Biden crime family there. It's like we have a mafia family that's uh, that's running the country in, in, in the Oval Office. We have that story going on and the unbelievable cover up from the FBI and the DOJ to try everything they can uh, to let the, uh, the statutes of limitations run out to keep it, uh, anybody from getting documents that are concerning this, uh, just cover everything everything up. And then on the other hand, we have the same people, the DOJ and the FBI aggressively, aggressively coming after President Trump for stuff that they would never go after anybody else for. It's just it's it's horrible that the American people are seeing through it, despite the press and the far left's best efforts to cover this up. The American people are seeing through it. You made a great point. Unless you're watching, you know, Newsmax or uh, Fox News or something like that, you probably haven't even heard about some of this stuff. If you look at the coverage, it's, it happens on in it, you know, NBC, CBS, you know, ABC, you know, MSNBC, CNN, all that. It's 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 zero or, or there's hardly anything there. So. But the American people are figuring it out, and I think that uh, when the election comes around this time, uh, we're going to we're going to see uh, what they really think about what's going on. Three indictments in five months for Donald Trump. The latest came down last night. What do you make of that? 
Well, it's uh, obvious. Look at the timing, too. This is crazy. I was looking, I was watching somebody on TV last night. They, 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 they threw the timeline out there. And these indictments, they come every time just a day after a big uh, a story breaks that's that's detrimental to Hunter Biden or Joe Biden and the Biden family, and it's almost like they're a distraction. And and if you and if you flip over and you you look at some of the other news channels, they're not talking about the big story that just broke, like the Devin Archer story or anything else that's been going on. They're talking about President Trump now because this is just a big distraction that's that's engineered by by the left, by the mainstream media, with the uh, assistance and uh, DOJ and FBI. And I'm just really disgusted with our Department of Justice right now. We have got to clean that place up. The Department of Justice, people told us, the media told us that Hunter Biden did not get a sweetheart deal. Uh, A judge literally, literally was incredulous, could not believe that this deal was even presented in front of her, striked it down. You know, Ronnie, I feel like that made the entire Department of Justice, or let me put it this way, I feel like that exposed the entire Department of Justice for being the fraud that they are. Well, it is. I mean, it's been building for a long time. You can go back and find multiple of examples of how they've been dishonest and how they've been biased. But this just is icing on the cake here. And, yeah, they had to admit in court, uh, you know, that, that, that they, they, they themselves had never seen, the, you know, the, the, uh, the defense lawyers and, and the, the, uh, the DOJ. They had, to, they had to actually admit that they, had, they, too, have never seen anything like this. So this is just it's outrageous. And, uh, you know, and, and it's not going to, you know, I, I was I was encouraged to see yesterday that Jamie Comer, who's the chair of the oversight committee, and I know he's doing a great job looking into all this stuff. So is Jim Jordan, who's the chair of judiciary and Jason Smith, who's the chair of Ways and Means and looking at a lot of these tax issues. They're going to start. They, they signed a letter to DOJ demanding to know what the circumstances were that surrounded this sweetheart deal and why he got this deal. It's just another corrupt move by the Biden administration. And and I, I think that this is going to be their downfall because we're not going to give up that U.S. House of Representatives and those particular folks I mentioned and those committees that are looking, digging into this, they're going to continue to do this. And every day there's going to be another document that they get that's going to lead to another document. Every day there's going to be a whistleblower that comes out that's going to lead to another whistleblower. And pretty soon the evidence is going to be so overwhelming that there's absolutely no way that no matter how much you hate Trump and no matter how much... You, you, you want to see Biden beat him. You are not going to be able to ignore what's going on. Did Dr. Fauci lie to the American people? Oh, Dr. Fauci has lied to the American people over and over and over again. He is he is very corrupt, Dr. Fauci is. And, you know, if you go back and look, I mean, it makes perfect sense now. You know, some of the stuff that he did early on, you know, you're, he, he was very aggressive about, you know, the, uh, the the origin story and making sure that, you know, that there was no narrative that this came from the lab in Wuhan and so on and so forth. And, you know, he was he's the premier public health official in this country. Right. He's at NIH. I mean, he, he controls. But what? But but this is my point. He controls millions and millions and millions of dollars in grants, and we we now know, and we didn't know it when it first broke, when it first came out. But we now know that he funded the uh, his uh, the, the money at, from the NIH that he gave to this Eco Health Alliance that went directly to the Wuhan lab for this gain of function testing. He essentially was the funding stream for creating 
this virus, right? And and he knew that from the very beginning, he, before the American people did. And so he went into damage control mode and tried everything he could to cover up any association there, which led to a, a string of lies that just continued to grow. And to this day, he's still lying about what's going on. But he too will be exposed at some point. And and, and you know he's got a, he he's corrupt in the sense that I want to look and see how he get, how he got so filthy rich working at the at NIH. How does that happen? He's a government employee. And the man is insanely wealthy and he's worked there for 40 or 50 years. I was in the military for 25 years and all I got was my paycheck every month. I didn't get any kickbacks. I didn't get any extra money. And there was no way for me to amass that kind of wealth. So we got to we got to dig into what's going on with this organization, with NIH and with Dr. Fauci in particular. Well, it came out yesterday. Speaking of that, it came out yesterday that Joe Biden's got a couple mansions that are worth over five million each. I don't know. I I, I get it. You know, uh, he, he longtime senator, $171,000 must go a long way at one of the nation's best beaches, Rehoboth Beach, where you can buy $5 million on $171,000 salary. That seems odd to me. Yeah, I mean, we're starting to figure out where that money came from, right? I mean, it's his uh, drug addict son that was uh, flying around all over the world doing drugs and hooking up with hookers. Uh, but you know, apparently, was this uh, guru in, uh, in 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 the energy industry that we that we didn't we weren't aware of, and he was getting these big contracts from you know the Ukraine and from China, and he was sharing the money with his dad, and and that's that's where this is this is a pay to play system, and we saw the corrupt stuff that's going on where he got involved with Burisma, which is an energy company there in Ukraine, and they started having some issues with the Ukrainian prosecutor who was going to come after them because they were corrupt, and the CEO there was corrupt, and what did he do? He 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 had already covered his bases. He had appointed Hunter Biden to his board and started paying him millions of dollars. But then he made the phone call. Hey, Hunter, I need your help. I need you to get this prosecutor off of us or we're going to be in trouble. And so Hunter made some calls. Uh, his dad made a call he, that he's bragged about publicly and told the the, uh, the prosecutor or he told the uh, uh, he told the Ukrainians, you fire this prosecutor or you're going to get no more USA, billions of dollars in USA. And they did. They fired the prosecutor immediately within hours. And, and it's just insane that we know all of this. And and uh, so many people in this country d don't seem to be upset about it. Well, people are upset. Let me go this route with you, though. People are upset at the House, uh, the Republicans in the House, because they feel nothing is being done. Let me ask you, uh, where are we in terms of articles impeachment coming out of the House? We're getting there. We're getting there in a hurry. You know, there, there's going to be a higher bar to impeach him than there would be anybody else. Obviously, there was no bar for Trump. They just, you know, they just got together and said, we're impeaching him. And they impeached him on complete garbage. But, you know, we're going to have to. The, our problem is, is that we impeach him and we send that over to the Senate. The Senate has to convict him. Right. And the Senate, I'm going to be honest with you. There's some rhino Republicans in the Senate that are a big problem over there. They're going to have to have a lot of evidence. It's going to have to be in the category of overwhelming, like I was talking about earlier, that they're going to just not be able to deny in any shape, form, or fashion what's going on. So we're accruing that evidence right now. Kevin McCarthy has talked about uh, starting uh, impeachment inquiry, uh, which will give us a lot more investigative authority and allow us to get a lot more information. So uh, we're, we're going to go down that path. We're going to keep gathering information. I'm telling you, Jim Jordan, Jamie Comer, and Jason Smith are bulldogs. They're running these committees, and we are going to we are going to get to that point where we start where we start impeachment on him, and then hopefully we're going to have enough that we're going to push it over, and the Senate's going to be able to not deny what's happening, and, and we're going to get him out of office. You know, uh, I have always, I never had a problem paying taxes. I, I never have. I, whatever. And, and you know, uh, 
I've made enough money, I guess, and uh, it's never bothered me. But I feel like, and I'm curious your response to this, I feel like what's going on with our tax dollars, particularly going over to Ukraine, feels like a payback of bribes to me. It's the first time in my life I didn't want to pay taxes. Am I off base saying, okay, you bribed us, we're using American tax money, the Biden crime family is, to pay off those bribes? Or am I, am I too simplistic in my thought? No, you're, you're, you're right on base. I mean, I think a lot of people are starting to wonder that. I'm asking myself the same question, too. How much of what's going on in Ukraine and how much of our involvement, how much of the $120 billion that we've sent over there is because they have something on President Biden via Hunter and, that is, and, and, and the corrupt stuff that was happening there? You know, uh, it, it's I don't know. That's a, that's a question we, we, we have to get an answer to. But I, I voted no against uh, the last several times that there's been funding going out. I voted for the, against the 40 billion. I voted against the uh, funding that's in the National Defense Authorization because I'm not giving any more to, money to these people until we know what's going on and we know why we're giving them money. You know, the the. Uh, the uh, CEO Burisma, I think it was, had, had said that he has all these audio tapes of Joe Biden on the phone talking about Hunter and the business and stuff. So th- maybe they're hanging these audio tapes over their head. Maybe Bi- I think Biden, to some extent, is just a puppet for the for the uh, for, for Zelensky and, and what's going on over in Ukraine right now because of some of the corrupt stuff that happened uh, during his time as vice president. And if and. and if that's how we're spending our tax dollars and we are actually waging war and, you know, and providing weapons to kill people because Joe Biden is in bed with the Ukrainians, uh, we need to know. We need to know. I agree. It sure, it sure seems that way. Last thing before I let you go, I always say this. They didn't get Capone for murder. They got Capone for IRS stuff. They got him for tax mm-hmm. evasion. I get it. Again, the same thing. We're going to hire many more IRS agents. Uh, so get off my ass. I'm helping you. I, I, how is the IRS not involved in what Hunter and Joe are doing? Well, they have been involved in it to some extent. If you're in, you know, if you go back and look, there were some very serious felony charges against Hunter Biden that the IRS and the DOJ conspired and to let the statute of limitations run out on those. And and he would have been convicted of those, I'm sure. And those were felonies. And 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 that would have led to uncovering some of the stuff with Joe Biden as well, I'm sure. So yeah, the IRS is involved in it. Don't think they're not. They're just as they're they're just as big a part of the problem as anybody else. Yeah, that's the frustrating thing. They're involved in it, but their involvement involves a cover-up. That seems wrong to me. Fundamentally wrong, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's astounding. Well, I... uh, I really think, and I hope you'll come back. It's you're, you're the best follow that there is because you're not afraid to say it. You take a lot of crap, which we respect. You're not, you don't back down. And I thank you for coming on, sir. Great stuff. Well, thank you, Dan. I appreciate your support and keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate what you do as well. You got it. Hey, look, uh, that's Representative Ronnie Jackson. He speaks cl- plainly, he speaks clearly, and he speaks unafraid. And, you know, go follow him on Twitter because he's a great follow. And, and, you know, the interesting thing is every time I say I'm having somebody like Ronnie Jackson on, nobody debates what he's actually saying. Like nobody wants to say, well, you know, I don't agree with what he's saying. They just attack. It's a damnedest thing. Every time I post something that's political in nature, nobody says, well, Dan, here's what I think. They just simply say, well, you're a bald guy that looks like a thumb. Well, okay, fine. I know what I look like. I I understand, you know, I'm a bad guy. Let's just get that out of the way. 
But nobody wants to debate him. Ronnie Jackson is right at the forefront. He's there in Congress. He's literally telling you what's going on. And the only response for people that have a different view is, oh, you're a bad guy. Oh, he's a bad guy. Oh, okay. Really? Oh, all right. Well, he's a bad guy because you know, like, you know, the one thing that I love about Trump is he did this. Trump did this. Trump made it very clear. The lines are drawn on who is for who. CNN had to hide it forever. Now they don't even hide it. They don't. They don't even hide it. And that whole bullshit about being, we're the most tolerant. We're the left. We're the most tolerant. We all knew that was crap. You don't hear that anymore, do you? You don't hear any of that because they're the least tolerant. They're the least tolerant. They don't agree. So what do they do? They attack. Well, tolerant people don't agree. What do they do? They discuss. It ain't that freaking hard, people. No, it drives me nuts. Well, I can't believe you had Ronnie Jackson on the show. He blah, 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 blah. Okay, what about what he said? What about the evidence against Joe Biden? I get it. If you're not paying attention, you don't know. And in this job, I got to pay attention. So I sit there and I go, God dang. What the hell? What are we doing? You know what I mean? It's pretty simple. It drives me bat blank crazy. It doesn't drive me crazy. It's just laughable. You know, it's like this. Well, we had Ronnie Jackson. Well, Ronnie Jackson, he ain't fit for office. Well, why ain't he fit? Well, you know, Ronnie Jackson, you know, he's a clown. There you go. This one guy. Oh, he's just a clown. Okay, he's a clown. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know. Well, thanks for clearing that up for us. What the hell? (laughs) Jeez. How about you have a conversation? I don't know. This pisses me off. You ready? Woke Illinois Governor Pritzker, Pritzker allowing foreigners to arrest U.S. citizens in a law shakeup. He is allowing non-U.S. citizens. This is such bullshit, such complete and utter bullshit. But this is the world that we live in. This is the pandering, ridiculous joke of a world that we live in. This guy, Pritzker, is allowing non-U.S. citizens to be on police forces to be on police forces, to arrest U.S. citizens, people that actually are here for a reason. They're here legally. It is un-effing believable. And this idiot says DeSantis isn't smart enough to be president. This corrupt jackass. Um... With a sweep of the pen, J.B. Pritzker changed that as Illinois will soon allow non-citizens who are eligible to become members of law enforcement. So you can be a non-U.S. citizen and you're a cop. You're a cop. The goal of the bill is to allow DACA and permanent residents that are already able to work in the country legally to apply to become cops. Well, that's two things. One, it's pandering, right? And two, 
it shows you how depleted our police forces are. You know, I told you this the other day. I was hanging at Lee's uh, mother's memorial, and Lee did an unbelievable job. And I was talking, a, a, a beautiful, wonderful woman named Angie Domshot, who was a terrific softball player at Bowling Green, played for Lee, just a wonderful human being. She's a Toledo cop, and we were just having a chat. I go, Angie, you know, what was it like 18, 19 years ago when you wanted to be a cop? She goes, well, I had to beat out 5,000 other applicants. 5,000 people took the police exam. I go, wait a second, across Ohio? You go, no, in Toledo. And she became a cop. I go, what's it like now? She goes, we can't even get 300 to look at being a cop to want to be a cop. So that's what Pritzker's doing, but he's also pandering. My God, can you imagine if you go to jail for some BS thing because some illegal immigrant or some non-U.S. citizen busts you? Are you insane with this? Seriously. I, 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 you know what? I think after the show, I may start chewing tobacco again. I may go out there, put a big lipper in. I got a new catfish pole I've never used. I may just go out and get me some channel cats with a big old lipper. The world is nuts, and I'm trying to solve it. I am. I'm trying to solve it one show at a time, but it is freaking nuts. All right, let's get into some woke dope here. This is always a favorite. This is always good. What a show today. Ah, Jonathan Isaacs, we'll try to get him back. Hopefully, uh, by the end of the week, I'm not on Friday. Uh, show's going dark Friday. But, hey, look, I got to take a day, don't I? Can I have a day? I mean, two hours a day, it's hard work. All right, let's see. What do we got here, Dylan and uh, Nick? What's woke and doping? Is this unbelievable? This pisses you off, too. So this arrogant jackass who has, again, uh, he had a fortune, he married into money, and he has made a ton of money off of the government, said last week, ah, it's not my plane. It's my wife's plane. Really? It's not my company that has planes. It's my wife's. That's John Kerry for you. See, we saw the same thing. We did. We saw the same thing after the partner of Hunter Biden's testimony. Well, I know Joe said he never spoke to any business colleagues, but they weren't really speaking. They were just talking in niceties. They were just talking about the weather. They were just speaking in generalities. Oh, really? The ability of these, these guys, they're not idiots either. I should not say they're idiots. They're incredibly smart people. Like John Kerry's incredibly smart. Joe Biden has figured out how to take $171,000 in salary, now $400,000 as the president, and turn it into not one, but two $5 million-plus mansions. Now, that's smart. Obama, who had one job prior to be president of the United States, I guess you could say two. I guess he was a congressman making $171,000. He was a community organizer. That's our president. Community organizer to senator. That dude lives in a $12 million mansion. He lives in a $12 million mansion. I'm telling you, term limits, term limits, and more term limits. You're making me crazy here. What else? Give me another one. Jeez, these people. Oh, boy. In nature, poisonous creatures will often develop bright colors to warn others of their toxicity. For those of you that don't know, that's Megan Rapino on the left. No, not on the right. 
That's some frog on the right. On the left, in all purple, that's Rapino. Come on. <laughs> I did defend the women's soccer team, so don't call me. Well, now we're on the Canaan. Now, what are we? Uh, QAnon. You're QAnon now. It used to be racist, then it became transphobic. Uh, now it's QAnon. Now you're QAnon, Dockage. You're QAnon. Okay, I'm QAnon. I don't care. What do I care? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, the ladies of the women's national team, uh, somebody asked me, when do they play next? I got no idea. Uh, they could play tonight for all I know. I assume they got a little time off because, well, they, they got to the round of 16. What else do we got? Woke a doping. We are woke. Oh, we only got two today? Come on. Don't be slacking. Why are you guys slacking? All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to some news of the day. Look, here's the deal. Let's not even mess around. Let's not even mess around tonight. The Cubs 8.05 start because, well, it's 7.05 in Chicago, which means 8.0 time on the east side. Uh, We, ladies and gentlemen, will be sitting. We will be watching. We are not only going to be watching, but we're very excited to watch. Uh, If your team made deals during the trade deadline, good for you. And last night, we had a no-hitter. Frambert Valdez pitched Major League Baseball's third no-hitter. That's right. He no-hit the Guardians. He no-hit the Guardians in a two-to-zip victory. Now, The Astros went out and reacquired Justin Verlander. But you know what? Valdez said, I don't care. He allowed one base runner. He walked a guy in the fifth. But he still faced the minimum thanks to a double play. How about that? That's right. He's 9-7. First lefty to throw a no-hitter ever. I thought Jim Deshays might have. J.D., Cubs broadcast, really good. Good for Valdez. Good for baseball. It was the third. Domingo Herman pitched a perfect game at Oakland on the 28th of June. Jason Foley of the Tigers threw a combined no-no against Toronto on July 8th. Listen to this. His previous game, Valdez, awful. Three and a half innings, eight hits, six runs. But he didn't care. He didn't sulk. He bounced right back and did things that you're supposed to do. Boom. Boom. The Cubs, my Cubs, according to Jeb Hoyer, the general manager, they did not make very many deals. They did not sell. Why? Because they won a bunch at the end. They're looking at their division. They're saying we got a chance. They're still, I don't know, three games in the loss column behind the Reds, and they got two at home coming up. Yes, sir. Cubs have two at home coming up. Then they've got Atlanta. And then, ladies and gentlemen, they go on the road and play crap, including the Tigers and the freaking White Sox. And the White Sox are crap. I got a friend that's betting 50 bucks a game against them. That's right. 50 a game against. (laughs) Hey, what can I tell you? Baseball's interesting now. It is. I'm sorry. Baseball's interesting. But we had a no-hitter. We had the Cubs win by 20. The world is a happy place. It is. I'm sorry. The world is a happy place. Uh, You that are looking at Alvin Kamara 
Alvin Kamara, he had a fist fight in a Vegas hotel, a Vegas casino. Alvin Kamara being an idiot. Every day we got idiots being idiots. But, hey, we got a lot of people. You know what? We got a lot of people in this country. But Alvin Kamara is expected to meet today with the commish. So if you are thinking Alvin Kamara for my fantasy team, remember he reached a plea agreement. He's no longer facing a felony charge for his role on the eve of the Pro Bowl. Kamara and three men, including Colts uh, corner Chris Lammings, were initially facing felony charge. They're beating the hell out of people. Uh, Kamara's plea agreement reduced the charges to a misdemeanor, breach of peace, 30 days community service, and pay a hundred. Listen to this, $105,000 in medical bills to some guy named Darnell Green Jr. Look, he's just an idiot. Kamara also had to pay Green more money, according to Tony Busby, his attorney. Tony Busby famous for representing who? That's right, Deshaun Watson. There you go. All right, whatever you were wearing yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, when the Cubs put up a 20 spot, what do they call it in baseball? A 20-piece or I guess they call that in basketball, against the Reds. We're the same stuff. This is a big game. I'm sorry, it's a big game. You got the Reds at home. You win these two. You're one game behind. Hey, your toes are tapping. Lost column. Lost column. I didn't say two games. You guys that don't understand the lost column, I cannot help you. My father told me at a young age, down the stretch, the only thing that matters is the lost column. You can't get those back. You can only get wins, get lost column. You can't get those back. So all you do is watch the lost comp. Cubs are three games out. YouTube should be fixed Monday. In the meantime, we'll be back at it tomorrow. We ain't afraid. Today was awesome. Oh, man. Ronnie Jackson knocked it out. Allison Williams, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Look, last thing. Watch my Twitter account because I have been winning big doing my late game system of Major League Baseball betting. I wait to the seventh. I study who's up. Home team parlayed with another home team. We won again last night. Telling you, it's a pretty good system. It is. Uh, Guy asked me, Danny, you're going to bet the Cubs tonight. Yeah, yeah. But this is a game the Cubs lose, unless they're really good. If they're really good, the Cubs will win this one. By the way, a split finger fastball like that, a fork ball like that. Just thought I'd tell you. Have a great afternoon, everybody.